Hey, you're listening to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And it was so much fun talking with Isabel Campbell. We hit on so many topics. Some you'd expect, like starting with Bell and Sebastian, working with Mark Lanigan, the effect COVID had on her projects, and what she's working on now. But we also talk about some things that you might not expect, like how church music influenced her, how a cheeseburger and Annie Hall were the reason she left Bell and Sebastian mid-tour, getting kicked out of orchestra, and what she did during a decade-long hiatus from the music business. Isabel was incredibly gracious to speak with me so soon after Mark Lanigan's passing, and we do discuss their music and relationship quite a bit. And she's got some great news about some reissues and new projects that should make everybody happy. So give her a follow on social media at Isabel Campbell Music on Instagram, at Isabel underscore Campbell on Twitter, and pick up her music on Bandcamp or wherever you buy music. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram, and you can help us out with review with coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or with merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. And I hope you enjoy this chat with Isabel Campbell on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Okay, okay. Um, because it, <laughs> I don't, I'm really not good at these things, but I'll try, I'll try it. Um, this is Isabel Campbell, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety. I feel like my mouth is a bit dry. It was like, bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> if you think that was okay, then I'm good. Yay! Um, you, you, you did it. I, I, <laughs> that sounded like you know, I'm a toddler. Yay! I did it. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> oh my goodness! First of all, I want to thank you for for doing the podcast. This is uh, this this is wonderful. I'm so thrilled about this. Oh no, no! Thank you. Sorry, it took me so long. <laughs> no, no, no! I, it's it's been a been a crazy year already, but um, it's been that. Like, crazy two years oh yeah and i want before we get too deep into things i do want to thank rob marshall humanist for connecting us that he's just he's one of my favorite people on the whole planet so me too like i adore him i adore him so much and i actually was just texting him before we spoke and i was like i'm finally doing i'm talking to your friend uh, (laughs) i was just uh actually messaging with him yesterday i need to see that that human i need to see that humanist because um uh he just like he's so like yeah him and i just like really really connect and he's such a good soul for me and i think it it, it goes both ways um so last i saw him because because i actually i actually lease uh an apartment like down where he lives and uh, last i saw him like he was helping me on the train with like my cello and everything oh wow <laughs> Uh, yeah, like uh, I was like a, I was like a pack mule, and he was just like <laughs> laughing at me because like he he has a he has a coffee shop on the station for the train to London, oh, okay. and um so he like made me a coffee before oh. I went. I was like, oh, I could get used to that. So why can't everyone be him? Oh, that's no. what I'm like, <laughs> like oh, um, no. but yeah, because oh, that's so I didn't know that and um, that he was because um he had another like friend passed too so um but him and i have been really like supporting each other so it's it's been it's like it's a cheesy saying like i think it's from the same music or something like when when god closes the door somewhere he opens the window but it's kind of it's kind of like 
that's life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I wanted, I did want to offer my condolences for the loss of, of Mark Lanigan. I know you guys were so yeah. close and did so much work together. So, and but on a happier note, I think I also wanted to wish you a belated happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I got really blue actually. Like, oh, I I, I saw I saw my mom. That was amazing because it was just the day after that Rob helped me on the train. Okay. So my mom and my cousin, and that was amazing. But then like a couple of days later, yeah, I was very blue and, oh. and, and very, actually very grumpy. Um, but there was like a, a solar eclipse, which stuff like that, I've noticed. I, I'm quite in sync with stuff like that. But, really? Um, Interesting. Yeah, but now I feel good. Like I, 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 I was just like in a black hole and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to climb out of this. Um, oh. But, but I did. So. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. So. Congrats to me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm the toddler. So yay for yay. you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what yeah. I like, I like to find out a lot. Uh, well, I, I'm going to rephrase it. <laughs> the way I like to start the, the show is, is to find out about your your history, how you got into music, and and how it hit you in the first place. You know what sent you on the path that you're at to get you where you are now. So the the first the first thing I kind of know because I I've noticed that you move around a lot. Are, are there yeah. are there Scottish gypsies? Because I think you're one of them. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a yeah like I pretty much I'm like I'm I'm a I'm nomadic at this point and um but at this point also embracing it so but I am and um. Yeah. There, there must be my mom. Like, there's this Irish, old Irish um, folk singer, Margaret Barry. She was, I think, she was definitely like gypsy, like uh, linen traveling, like linen lineage and everything. Yeah. And like, I had one of her CDs, and she actually looks like my mom. Oh wow! And, like my, my one of my other musician friends was like, that looks like your mom, and I was like, yeah, it does. So. <laughs> My, but my mum kind of looks like him. Um, she looks kind of like. Oh man. My mum looks very Irish, not in the red hair sense, like the Celtic. Like, but she's got she's got like jet black hair, like bright blue eyes, and um. So there must be, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there must be. I don't know. I've, I've never done any of those. Like, um, my friend in Louisiana was telling me about um, uh, like the you know so many people are doing all these DNA tests and yeah. stuff, but I've, I've never, I've never done it. Yeah. I just yeah, did one. So what are you? <laughs> I am, uh, well, for anybody who's seen me, this might be a surprise. I'm 53% Irish. I look 100% Irish. I, I look like a leprechaun. I mean, all right. Have you ever seen the- Are act- you very small? Uh, yeah, I'm five foot <laughs> six. So yes, I'm short. Not, that's um, not too small. <laughs> but, um, I, if you've ever seen yeah. the the actor Sean Astin from, um, uh, you ever see the the movie Rudy? Or mm. let me see what I'll, I'll look. What else he's in? But I look like Sean Astin. I'm like I look ex- uh, exactly like freaking Sean. I will Astin. Google. I will Google it afterwards. I haven't. Like I was talking to another friend yesterday, and he's called Jason, and obviously it was like Friday the Thirteenth yesterday, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like. Right. But I was like, he was like, have you seen that? And I'm like, eh, I live under a rock. I've not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to explain it all to me. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, so I'm 53% Irish and then I'm 
nine percent something like that norwegian but my grandmother was Ooh. pure norwegian so i got none of the viking i got all of the leprechaun <laughs> so because i'm i'm five foot six i have i don't my i've got uncles that are like six two six three i got none of that <laughs> so i don't know it's uh and then other other my, yeah I got small like, packages oh, there you go. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> i got uh, like other northern uk Stuff like like it's a general catch-all, I guess. It's like northern UK. I don't, I don't, I don't and I think a little bit so of German. You're, um, so you're very European then. Yes. Very oh. European. Yes. Very, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost frighteningly so. But, yeah. but so, <laughs> so was was your were your parents into music? You, uh, you mentioned your mom looked like a musician. Were, were they? Did they like music? Did they play music? Um, so I grew up like, so they were, my dad, like my mom and dad, they both seen, they both went like they were dating, like they went to see Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. Um, so my, my dad was a bit of a bad boy. So my dad, he's still alive. (laughs) He still is a bit of a bad boy. He's just an old bad boy. I like him already. He was really into, um, he's even called Angus. Oh. Hey, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was um, he's like really into um, back in the day like he was really into like a uh, deep purple and oh, wow. you know all that kind of stuff so he's and he's still like he still loves music like uh, one of the last times I saw him he was singing like I'd never heard it so I quite enjoyed it he was singing a wristband by paul simon which i i thought was really funny because he he thought it was really cool so it was like this scott scottish man going oh wristband my man and i was just like oh that's so funny that is um, awesome so he loves music and um the only thing i disagreed with him once was he tried to tell me that paul weller was preferable to the small faces and i was like what Dad? Oh. like because like i have all his like I grew up when um so he would have like the Led Zeppelin vinyl, Deep Purple vinyl, he would have um, you know, uh Kinks forty fives, like small faces forty fives and a lot of the stacks in Motown. So Oh awesome. Um, so that was my dad and he, he had a guitar but he never learned. And then my mum really likes music. But the thing is like so my dad's got a nice voice but he can't remember lyrics and my mum <laughs> has a gorgeous it has a can remember lyrics but has nobody likes to hear her sing like when she's singing my brother's like stop it please stop now and oh, no. all her friends, like, tell her to stop singing so but i'm um, so somewhere in between that uh, and, and also i'm a bit embarrassed to say that you know she kept the beatles off number one because she bought um she bloom and bought that Engelbert Humberding tune. Like oh, the, no. <laughs> kept, kept, uh, kept Strawberry Fields off number one. Oh. So that, that, and she's, she's a big uh, Bar- big Streisand fan as well. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, so that's her. But um, I think I got, I think my dad, like, because when I was small as well, like, he used to tape all the chart shows and, like, uh, Steve Wonder and like well, Lionel Richie and oh, and we man. would play we or Competti Van Morrison he was into, and, he, and we would play games in the car he'd be like who's that and I'd like tell him who it was so I think that's probably <laughs> that so great I don't think it's I think it's less to do with Engelbert 
Humperdinck, even though that's a very excellent name. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, if we could get Eng- Engelbert Humperdinck with Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, I don't know how we w- what they would do together, but something that, amazing. It would, <laughs> it would. The world would explode. I don't know what would. You can't get those two forces too close together. It's like I mean, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. So, oh, like, yeah. I, like, yeah, it would be. I feel like it would have to be something. Amazing. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Benedict Cumberbatch plays <laughs> Engelbert Humperdinck in his biopic. Yep. There we go. Possible. There we go. Yep. There we go. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll just start writing that after we record this podcast. Then. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. When did you start getting into music? And I know you're, you're a cellist. Was that mm-hmm. the first instrument you learned or were there, was there something else that got you into playing music? Um, when I grew up, there was a piano teacher that lived like three doors down. Okay. And um, but then at school, well, even when like my parents aren't religious, but my mom kind of tried going to church for, for a minute. And um, when we went to church, I was really into the singing. And then when we started, um, when we started having like music singing classes at, at school and everything, I felt I, I, my whole body knew how excited I was. I was just like, I was just like vibrating very, oh, wow. like, I love this. Like, yeah. um, and so I knew that I loved it. And then, and then at school, like when we would have music lessons, I, I remember just thinking this makes me so happy and I love this so much. Like I want to, this is just so much better than everything else. <laughs> so um, I felt like I, that gave me a bit of drive or something. And I think I went back and said to mom, can I have piano lessons? And then, so I started that. And then a few years later, I think I was 11 or something. And the cello teacher came into the class at school and she played the swan from Carnival of Animals. And I remember 
getting really excited again and oh, I went wow. home and I was like, can I learn cello? And like at that time it was cool at school because they just had like old beat up cellos in, in, in a in a cupboard and you could just oh, wow. um and you could just like go and get one, take a home. It was oh, free and like um and the cello lessons were free as well. So Wow. Yeah, it's good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I had a very um, inspirational teacher because she was, she was like um, Maggie. She was like very kind of calm and tall, willowy lady and very, like she became a, a Buddhist. And, um, oh, wow. And she just, she, I just liked her a lot. And then, um, you know, she was like a bit of a hippie and <laughs> things like that. I just I really, really liked her. So. Okay. So at this time, what, what what music were you listening to besides what was being played at school? I mean, I'm thinking, so what was the at popular time was like, I'm thinking it was like Ghostbusters soundtrack, Olivia Newton-John oh. kind of stuff. Yeah, that was very good. Um, it's funny because my brother, like he's he's got a three-year-old and a six-year-old now and he puts on Ghostbusters in his house and they yes. all start like, they still love it. I mean, it's who wouldn't song. love it? Ray Parker Jr. Like, who wouldn't love it? Exactly. Like, you can't not No, it's it. a very bouncy, happy song. <laughs> yeah. For busting so, ghosts. Yeah. So, um, yes, I was very into that. And um, but I remember when I was small, I don't know if, I don't think he went across the Atlantic, but there was like, this like, 1980s uh kind of elvis guy called shaken stevens and he was actually really popular in the uk and he just he basically was pretty much just like elvis but he had so i really like that <laughs> okay um like i think he was like a heartthrob for all the for all the little girls ah, and I was like that okay and then also, i remember seeing like debbie harry on top of the pops oh. singing heart of glass or something and i remember thinking i want to do that <laughs> I, was like, I was only like five or six like because i remember thinking she looks so good and i like that and that's what i want to do so was <laughs> and that so i knew that was when you knew that was when you kind of made your decision that was what you, this is the direction you're gonna go i just like i was like this is i i just kind of thought well, I would like to do that when I grow up. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was I guess that that leads to when did you start playing in bands? Because I'm I'm sure taking cello lessons there were there were recitals <laughs> no, and, and other things. Doesn't, but... It doesn't really um, offer itself up to like you know. So I'd be learning. I'd be having the music lessons at school, and then what? Like do that, and then, uh, and then I was oh, I went to an orchestra, like like a summer school orchestra, like Glasgow School's orchestra, and I actually got thrown out of it. Like I, I brought a lot. Of... <laughs> How did you get thrown out? I brought a lot of shame on the family. Um, that was like the not. There was like one. Well, I did a few naughty things, but and rebellious acts. But that was like one of them. Oh, uh, what did you? You got to tell me. What did you do to get thrown out of the orchestra? Well, I so I, I was like, when 
when I would go to these things, like I'm, I get, I still actually get overwhelmed quite easily. And um, and I got there, and all the kids, they were all really, really good at their violins and cellos and or and everything. And I, I was like, oh, I'm not very good. And I was like, and I thought, how will I, how do I fit in here? And so my solution was getting with all the naughty kids. Uh-oh. Um, so I hung out with all the the rebels and um <laughs> i'd never <laughs> i'd never really drunk any booze in my life and um but i was pretending to i was trying to keep in with these kids <laughs> and um, <laughs> like i don't know why i don't know what my i was obviously i don't know had some sort of idea about something anyway um they I think we had a lunch break or something and they walked miles and miles and miles to get a bottle of vodka oh and um, they brought it back so that night and I'm like yeah of course I've drunk vodka of course but, like I, I totally hadn't <laughs> um, so I was like 14 downs an entire bottle of vodka oh my uh, <laughs> started to um i've never really drunk before um because like, i think the other girl was like pretending but i was like oh no like in for a penny and for a pound like i'm gonna do this and um you know uh be math or whatever like tackle my face or whatever oh. i was like yeah and uh, and then the last thing i remember was like trying to strip Oh. And making, <laughs> I was only fourteen. <laughs> making a beeline for a pond. Oh my! Because God. suddenly I thought it was a really good idea to get in that pond, <laughs> and then I think um, I passed out, and I can't remember anything else. Um, oh I, I, um, so <laughs> it was in an old castle. It was in an old castle, castle towers, and I'm told that all the kids carried me around the grounds of the castle trying to hide me from the teachers oh um, my god that was it but then eventually i was found by the teachers and um, but i didn't know any of this like all i knew was the next day uh i woke up and i could hear somebody sobbing in the next bed and that was my other rebel friend because i'd obviously everyone had been discovered and oh. i woke up from like the best sleep of my life. Yeah. I was like, ah, like, oh, oh, mellow and probably still drunk. And I'm everything. ready to go. Yeah, and she was like, we're going home. Oh. <laughs> oh, so uh, no. they stuck us on the ferry. And yeah, so that was my, wow. Uh, and, and like at that point, my mother was like, you're grounded for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're like, I found my and, calling. Rock yeah, I was like rock and roll, even though <laughs> even though like my music is like um the most the most gentle music. It but uh... <laughs> oh, that so that was like at fourteen. By yeah. the age of nineteen, you're part of Bell and Sebastian. Yeah. How did you meet the Stuarts, and how did you get started playing in Bell and Sebastian? So that was when I was fourteen. Then so. Then, because I was grounded for the rest of my life, <laughs> right. like the headmaster of the school actually had to say to my mum, mm, do you think maybe, like, you can, maybe you can go easy on her now? Like, they were like, I think you can maybe, like, let her out now. And, and, and I was like, thank you, Mr. Bipper. Like, thank you so much. Like, I was like, because, like, my life was over. Oh. Like, she was like, I'm watching you. 
you're in the room for the rest of your life. Anyway, so because of that, though, all I, I just really, because I couldn't hang out with the naughty kids anymore because my mum was like onto me. <laughs> so um, I just I threw myself into cello and I just got like, I got, it coincided. I just got like really into the kinks, um, oh, cool. really into the Beatles. And I just threw myself, I think it was escape actually. Like, I think it was just like an, a sort of thing to get. You know, I remember like seeing the, the graduate at that age and everything, oh, and I just yeah. got, I just got really into it. And then, so then when I was like, I think when I was seventeen, I, I think like also yeah, cello, classical piano. You don't really think like, oh yeah, rock or indie music, right. or it's not really. It's been really yeah, but but then actually in the back of my head because I was like. Mm, I was like, oh, Eleanor Rigby. And I was like, oh, like uh-huh. the left bank, like Baroque pop. I was like, I think I can do it somehow. But then, um, so I had a French friend. He was quite a lot older. He was over studying in Glasgow. And he, him and I had like a little, he loved the the pastels you guys say the the pastels but oh, um, yes. he yeah <laughs> he, he he you say tomato right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway pastels he loved them and so did I and he just play music and work on songs that was Eric and I and then I had like I'd been at this other cello school and I'd met this boy and he was like yeah he was like I've written a song and I was like oh yeah I was like what is it and he was like God save the Queen. It's a fascist regime, and I was like, "Really? You wrote that song?" I was like, "That's amazing!" Like, totally, totally, totally believed him. And um, so, so, he, so he was in a band with his brother called uh, Life with Nixon, and I thought they were the best thing since sliced bread. I was wow. like, "They're amazing. They're going to be superstars." I was just like, "This is amazing." And I just had all these like friends in in bands, and I just. I sort of wanted to do it, but I didn't know like how I could do it. So, and and so I was just like really into the sixties music. Like I'd go to Glasgow School of Art and like dance the whole night away, like because the music was so good. Like it was a club called uh, D- Divine, and it was this DJ like Andrew Divine. He's still doing stuff. He's he's oh, amazing, wow. and um, yeah, he's like such a music aficionado and like he's influenced so many of us in in glasgow like i, I adore him and um, oh, he's awesome yeah he's amazing and so then i think there was there was all these kind of like scene stars in glasgow and i had lots of great friends and everything and one new year i think the new year 1995 we went to a party and um, I was also drunk. Like I'm never. I'm actually. I'm so boring now. Like I'm such a. I'm like. I'm like. Oh, the demon drink. Like I'm a teetotal kind of tea boring person. Anyway, yeah. but um, <laughs> I was very drunk at this party, and that's when I met. And I was actually like, okay. I was like, yeah, you can stand up. You can stand up. And I was trying to like clutch onto pieces of furniture. Oh my. And, But that's that's when I met. Like I was nineteen. Oh no, eighteen. Eighteen. And um. Stuart Murdoch was at that party and I was I was in the queue for the for the toilet actually and he so was he and then he's like oh he's like you're you're Isabel he was like does anyone ever call you Belle and I was like yeah yeah, yeah. my mum has always called me Belle and um so that was new, new year 1995 and then when I went 
I was studying music at, at university. And when I went back to university after those holidays, he had written a letter and sent a, and sent a tape and everything. And that was the beginning of that. Oh, wow. So, okay. And he would, um, he would come up to, because I was at, there was a music course at Strathclyde Uni and him, so we had practice rooms there and he would I would sneak him into the practice rooms and we would uh we would play music and at first like when he first came up like because I had a little demo tape that I'd made as well and a couple of those songs were okay but like when he came in like his song he was so much further along than me because he was like I think I was like 18 he was like I don't know 25 or something and him he was like further along and his, I mean, it's all the songs. They were all the songs that went on to Tiger Milk, which is some of my favourite songs. He just he was further along, so we just kind of settled into his. And I was, I, I actually, I was extremely quite nervous and like quite shy about playing mine. So, so we just started his, and then okay. that's how the band started. So, yeah. so you are the technically, I guess the. Bell in Bell and Sebastian, then. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Sort of. Like, I, I think it was, I think we sort of saw it as like um, synchronistic or like okay. kind of thing because cause, um, he had written the story about Bell and Sebastian and and then he met me. So I think we okay. felt it was like a bit of a, like, it was, let's say, like, like yes and no, but it was like a sort of sign in a way. Like, right, we yeah. Thought, it was meant something. So at this There's point, sort of synergy in it all. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So at this point, are you thinking that this music is your career? And this, this no is way, no, no way, no way, oh. no. All I'm thinking, no, never. All I'm thinking <laughs> is never. I'm just because because so me when I was like seventeen, eighteen, I was like, this is something all my friends that are boys do. Um, and and like when I was like eighteen, nineteen, I was like, this is something all my friends that are boys do and mm-hmm. it's amazing and i love it but i'm thinking how can i ever do it but then okay. i but then i also like i had a had a boyfriend and like that got me into like nancy and lee and um and also then i started listening to like francois hardy and um astro goberto and i think at oh, that point yeah. when i heard those female singers i thought well as, as much as like aretha is like my queen and everyone's queen and like one of the like I'm like you know I'm, I was like well, I was thinking but when I heard the sort of softer voices I thought to myself I think I could do this you know mm. so um and that's when I and also also meeting Stuart like he sort of encouraged me to sing as well and so I'll just 
fell together, really. Well, yeah, because you know, if you sang like Aretha, it wouldn't have worked with Bill and Sebastian. No, no, no they'd no. be like, they'd, but I mean, but who cares if I sang like Aretha? I'd be like, I'd be on a private jet. Yeah, I well. <laughs> okay, good point. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not doing your stupid podcast. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, like Aretha, like she's one of my favorites. But, yeah. but it's like, um, I remember because so when I was the band first started, and I always sure it was like my best friend, and so I'd, we'd always, um, I'd always be around like his church hall and everything. And um, I think one of the ladies in the church choir said, like, you know, there was this like soprano singer, and she's like, like really like full on. And yeah. I think this more, um, sort of simpering more mousy woman said to maggie the soprano she said you know god hears the sparrows as well as the lark <laughs> so like so that's how i think <laughs> that's, that's how i brilliant. think now i i think uh well you know the little sparrow can still chirp away and that's how i see it but and also i'm i'm a songwriter too so i think well it's all good because even though i can't sing like aretha I can write for someone that does. Um, that's true. That's what I'm going to do one day. So We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and loved them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was jailbait. Wait, jailbird. The design I chose was jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet. And help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. Was your family supportive of you starting to play in, in bands outside of school? <laughs> I think they were suspicious. Because, <laughs> um, like, like, they were having marital problems. So, so I, could, I could sort of get away with doing what I like a bit. So they were kind I of kinda, preoccupied? I, yeah, caught on to that I could do. But I remember, like, um, mom had been away on a on a break with ladies like down in london or something and she came back and my dad said to her well she better pass her exams because she's been in the studio all week and they were highly suspicious but Uh then um but that was recording tiger milk so i was like there's no way i was like no way i'm not gonna do that and um so then when the launch party for tiger milk happened and everything my parents came to it I think my mom was so excited. She looked like she was going to burst. Like she was just like so excited. Oh, that's so awesome. I love hearing that. So then, so then at that point I was like, oh yeah, I can do whatever I want (laughs) more now. (laughs) (laughs) Not one to take advantage. (laughs) But I was, I was reading the signs. (laughs) But yeah, as kids are able to do. Did you... I guess, were you more comfortable touring since you had been playing cello in orchestras and school bands and stuff? Was it a different experience going out and, and playing 
tours with Bell and Sebastian? And, and did you did you go on extensive tours? I mean, was it was it a big transition? I guess maybe is the better way to ask that. Um, it kind of all like really. It was all quite natural, like how it all like fell together. But and then we would start to play locally, and then. But to be honest, like when we first went on, because I think I was and like Chris Geddes and I, like we were still at university. So and mm. then, like Stevie, still had uh, a day job kind of thing. And oh, okay. then, so when we first, I think when when we first started more touring, especially in the states, I was still only like eighteen, and as much as I really. You know, nothing would have stopped me doing it, but I actually found it quite overwhelming. Like looking back, like I think I would kind of like lash out, and I think some of the band maybe thought I was being a little arsehole, but but I think I was like I was quite like because I'd led quite a sheltered life, so then all of a yeah. sudden you're in this on a sleeper bus with roadies and. <laughs> And and you're and and you go to bed and you're seeing a big big hairy bum in your face and stuff like that and I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't like that so um, <laughs> that'd be really weird if I, I had like oh that's <laughs> this is great <laughs> like oh yeah living my, living the dream it's as glamorous as I thought <laughs> but um so but now I'm more adjusted to it but it took a long time long time yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Your first lead with Bell and Sebastian is the song "Is It Wicked Not to Care." Is it wicked when you Was, yeah. was it your idea or was it one of the Stuarts suggesting you do a lead or how did how did you start singing? So I would always sing um back up on Stuart stuff anyway, which which I always loved to do. Like mm-hmm. I, I love singing. It's so nice to sing. But actually from the days when Stuart would come to the university and we'd sneak in the practice room for like and like all the you know, the other kids they don't be they'd all be like singing like Midnight at the Oasis and stuff like right. that. And so, and I'd be like, you know, to me, the pastels were God. So right. I was not, I was not singing Midnight at the Oasis. So I always, I always felt like quite, um, like it was sort of like a guilty pleasure, like just doing this, the music that I liked and not like acid jazz stuff, okay. you know? So but back in the days when he came up to uni and, um, the demo tape I was talking about, Is It Wicked Not To Care, was on that. And, oh, okay. Um, one of those. And um, he, I think it was Stuart Meredith's idea, he was like, oh, we should we should record that. And um, and I was, I remember before we recorded that in the church hall, I was so nervous. Like, so, <laughs> I, I remember walking the streets of Highland, talking to myself, like, don't, you know, you know, you you can you can do this. Don't lose it. Don't lose the plot. Like just yeah. do it. You can do it. And because I was just like, oh, I'm really scared. Oh. So, yeah. 
so you stayed with Bell and Sebastian for several years until 2002. Yes. And if I'm reading this right, you left in the middle of a tour? Yeah, that's not so. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not really that professional. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I like, like, I think, you know, get a book of rules, throw it away. Hey, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I sort of, it just kind of, like I hung on by my fingernails for quite a long time. And yeah. like, cause we didn't like, if I had to do it all again, I would go back in a time machine and I would, first of all, I would enjoy it more and I would just be his friend, not be his kissy kissy on the side or whatever that was. But I, I think it was just like, just, it, yeah, but you know, that's what just, bands can be, that's bands, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and you know, at some point, everybody reaches a breaking point. You can't you can't predict where it's where that is. Oh no, it was totally unpredictable. Like, um, like uh, we'd, uh, I don't know. Like he just would push my buttons, and it would make me mad. And then sometimes, like I would push his buttons and make him mad. Like, like uh, I remember I made him so mad once in Dublin that he smashed his. Hofner semi-acoustic at the end of the concert, you know. Oh wow! Like, yeah, we would, we were, we would get into it like with fighting. Um, but in when I left the tour, we'd been in Montreal and we'd we'd been in Montreal, and I think like a, a lot when we were on tour that time, wherever we were, we would try and play a song from that area or something. Oh, like I think, okay. I think we were when we were in. Like if we were in LA, we would play like something from Forever Changes oh, I mean, or something like that. So any, I don't. But everywhere we would be, like we would play like, or we'd play some kind of cover. But um, but we were in Montreal, and I think we played a Leonard Cohen cover. Ooh. And then, but we but we came back. It was a funny time in the band because we were touring with a lot of session musicians at the time, and we came off stage, and I remember Stuart giving us and Stuart David had left by that point okay. and I remember Stuart Murdoch giving us a kind of giving us a dressing down in front of the session musicians oh. and I and I didn't like that I was like thinking that I was like that's not cool like don't do that to us in front yeah. of these these outsiders that, right. to me that's yeah. what I thought like so anyway I was a bit kind of feeling a bit like I don't like that and then we got to New York and we were having a day off and I was I remember I'd offered, ordered room service. I'd ordered this big cheeseburger. And I was like, I was loving my cheeseburger. Like, I was like, <laughs> tucking into it. Like, I was like, mm, yeah, like, really, like, like leave me alone with my cheeseburger. And then <laughs> the, phone, the, phone, the phone went in the hotel room. And it was Stuart. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, this is my day off. And I'm eating this burger. Like, leave me alone. And, um, <laughs> and he wanted, because he was like, I want you to sing. In New York, I want you to sing It Had To Be You from Annie Hall. Like, I want you to sing that. And I was thinking, I don't want to sing that. Like, I don't because I, I wasn't really feeling feeling it. Like, okay. and anyway, I was that got my back up. So I didn't. So I put my foot down and I didn't do that. So then I don't know. By the time I got to Toronto, I just thought, oh, adios. I'm out here. And so that was it. And I, I just... There's just been a lot of tension and fighting, and and so I was just like, 
I want to go home. And I spoke to the manager at the time and he was like, well, if you do that, you know what that means. You know what that means. You know what this means. And I was like, yes, I know what it means. <laughs> yeah, so, and then, yeah, so, and then I, th- I think, um, I think Chris and Richard came to say bye to me and then the bus left with me not on it. And I went to the swimming pool and did somersaults at the swimming pool. And I, I remember thinking, well, this is scary. I've kind of jumped off a cliff. I don't really know what's going to happen next. But yeah, okay, this is it. And um, and that was it. That's and I, and I thought I thought I was going to be so poor for the rest of my life because I, I got back to Glasgow and I bought two massive soup pots and I thought I was going to have to live on soup for the rest of my life. <laughs> <I> remember? <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. It's so strange to hear about you guys fighting. I mean, the the Scottish people are, are very placid people. Well, no, you need to talk to my <laughs> you need to talk to my Jamaican how do you is it Ghana Ghanese or how someone from Ghana? What oh, do uh, you what uh, Ghana Ghana? Yeah, you need to talk to my friend Lloyd because he says all Scots are feisty. Oh yeah. And That's he right says here. he says we're feisty and we're all uh he says we're all fiery and so he thinks we're all scrappers basically that's so <laughs> that's the prevailing thought i i would say here in america scottish, scottish people are pretty fiery so yeah like like he sends me all these like joke like making fun like <laughs> fun of me things like he sends me all this stuff about scottish people and i'm like <laughs> Oh, okay. I was like, I, fair enough. I'll be honest with you. I, I think it's awesome because I, I love the Scottish accent. And one of my, one of my favorite things is um, that Pink Floyd song, um, several species of small furry animals gathered right? together in a cave of grooving with a Pict because of the, because of the <laughs> Scottish guy yelling throughout you know, half of the song. That is literally one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs because of the Scottish guy screaming throughout it. I, I, now you're making me think of the Alex Harvey band, and I don't even know why. <laughs> like, I think I'm just thinking of uh, that that son of I don't know. What, maybe it's because I said my dad's called Angus, <laughs> and then now I'm thinking like uh, what's the son of a bitch song? <laughs> like I think it's I think it's maybe because it's um, that might in my head that maybe that's feisty. I don't know. Well, <laughs> after you left and you bought your soup pots. Oh, no, my soup kitchen. <laughs> you started kind of a solo career. Uh, with uh, Kind of a solo career, with, yes. <laughs> with the gentle waves to start off with. So we didn't immediately yes. jump in as Isabel Campbell. You started off as a gentle waves. And you actually were still working with, with some of the musicians from Bell and Sebastian in that. No, I think there was like a crossover. Like, um, okay. so the first two, I think the first two gentle waves records came out in fact, the only two Gentle Waves records came out when I was still in BNF. And um, yeah, so, uh, and Stuart helped. Stuart, I think mostly the first one, Stuart's on it and he helped me with it. The clock may not mean much to rabbits and mouse, depending on darkness and light. To fly in the night or to hide in a hole, we can do both fairly well. But what is this ticking that saves us from sleep, from light and from warm peace of mind? 
But then it was kind of like, even though it wasn't as accomplished or popular as the, you know, the daddy band, I was kind of like, I just, I just really wanted to do it. And um, I remember sort of thinking, it's like playing for two, like, you know, basketball teams or something like you can't play for two, you maybe have to, as much as you might try to, which, so yeah, but to be honest, um, so my dad left us, my dad left my family in February 2002 and I left Bill and Sebastian in June 2002 and I feel like it was just, I think everything was just getting a bit much. So like I left the band in June 2002 and by August I was in therapy. So wow. I think I was just figuring it out, you know, I was only young. Yeah. So. I enjoyed the gentle waves. I, my, I think my favorite is Partners in Crime, though. That it's got this great like spaghetti western feel to it. I love that song. Not so very long ago, it was so warm and humid. Elsie would go down to the old wood and pray for the wind to come. She had a friend who swore you could evoke the angels simply by prayer. She said, "There are angels for every desire, but you must believe. You have to believe." So by the time the sun was bright along with the stale air, a planet formed very clearly in her mind. Yeah. So, um, I had a friend, I don't know if you know, like he used to play, do you know that band Current 93? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, so, so there's my friend, I've not been in touch with him for years, but my friend Joe, and he had a project called Backworld. Okay. And he, he used to play with Lydia Lunch and stuff. Oh, wow. And, but he used to, but he came over from the States, in New York, actually. He came over from the States and I recorded a little bit with him. But he always used to call me the dark heart of Bell and Sebastian. That's what he used to call me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I quite like that. Because as soon as though other people, like, as soon as though, like, uh, you know, with, compared to Mark Lanigan, I seem like the sugar pop fairy. So, That's uh, <laughs> true. But compared to Mark Lanigan, a lot of people do too. Yeah, you probably do, actually. <laughs> Any, anyone would, most people would. So, yeah. But but it's not it's not good to compare. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if we brought him up, let's. Let, how did you start working with Mark Lanigan? Because he does appear on your first true solo album, Amarino. On why does my head hurt so? Always the same playground, swinging around and around. The same faces never enough or down. Baby, tell me how did I drift so far? Yeah, how did you guys he, he meet? Wrote, he wrote those uh, lyrics apart from the line, all the only line I had was, Why does my head hurt so? But he wrote the rest. Um, So what happened was, so I left the band, checked myself into therapy. That's like, oh my God, that's, that's like, sounds a bit cliched or something. But anyway, that's what happened. (laughs) And um, so I was thinking, oh, well, is this it? Is it going, you know, I think my whole life, my family have been 
desperate for me to be like a teacher or something because that's like a nice nice job for for a girl right but um i so that was june 2002 and i had this is when i was working on like amarino and it was almost finished and i would always like save up money go in the studio and then i and then i would stop until i had enough money again to like record so um so I was I worked on that and everything that came out in two thousand and three. I tried a manager like he's like some Deacon Blue manager. Didn't nothing really happened. Like nothing moved much. I okay. mean, I remember being in like a in like a, a a record label meeting and with this manager and they told me I looked like a lesbian, which is kind of like, <laughs> what would be, what's wrong with that anyway? And also, um, what are you talking about? Right. That's so weird. <laughs> and, it, and then, and then the, you know, this is the guy, um, this guy, he'd created like Enya. And I think he'd like worked with Madonna at Warner's, this, this record guy called Rob Dickens anyway. Okay. And he said, I understand you looking like you do. I understand you looking what? like you do if you were Cheryl Crow. But for the music you make, uh, for the music you make, I don't think you look right. Oh anyway, my god! Was, yeah, it was pretty horrible. Wow. I am. Um, I, I like. I like. I flew down. I flew down from Scotland for that meeting, uh. and then I remember leaving the meeting, thinking, and and I went. I went straight to the airport because I was kind of a bit broken from it, I <laughs> and I, I went to the airport airport and paid to bring my flight forward because i was like i need to get out of here because uh yeah uh. so um so but mark lanigan so that so the amarino came out oh my god and yeah that manager he it was like somebody he knew like so he was kind of like he got me a deal in the states and then he was kind of like the record came out with this like homespun kind of label and and like I remember we like it, one of the big German magazines it got like album of the month and we went to Germany to do it and and the, the guy and the the label guy went with me and he wanted me to stay in like a youth hostel with like oh no toilet in the room and stuff it was all just wow. really strange anyway that happens I never have seen any money from that I've never been paid anything from that oh, um so I was just kind of like, hmm, it wasn't seeming that likely that anything would continue. So but what happened was the press officer, Chris Stone, she had a company, she has gone to Stone Immaculate. And um, I was also, I had a, a boyfriend at the time and I was all, the, the new material I'd started like working on and like at, at that time, like, you know, around about 2003 and four, I was, listening to um Tom Waits the early years a lot and I was listening to like yeah. uh Nick Cave a lot and and I was just really digging all that stuff. But then I had these songs and my boyfriend Jonathan at the time, he said, You should ask Mark Lanigan to sing those songs. And uh, I didn't know who Mark Lanigan was, like but Jonathan was a little bit older than me and he had like scraps at midnight. He put that on. And I remember thinking, well, it's a long shot, you know. Uh, I thought this is, you know, it's like kind of, I don't know, like pissing in the wind or something. I was right. like, there's nothing like, like <laughs> I just like it's like nothing will become of this. But right, anyway, yeah. Chris Stone passed on a demo 
and like I think it was like a man read postcard I'd written to him okay. and uh, the next I hear oh Mark Lanigan wants to talk to you and I'm like all right okay wow. and so I was in my flat in Scotland the phone went answered it and he was like in the studio and, and he sang the the song he's like I hope you don't mind the word baby and I was like I was like I, th- I mean, I, I was like, oh, no, that's, that's, why would I, why, you know, I was like, that sounds good. And then, and then he just like sang, why does my head hurt so down the phone? And, wow. um, and I was kind of like, okay, I'll do anything you want me to do. Which is <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, um, I think it's like, it's, it's kind of like so disarming, like, like you know, and quite romantic really. Like yeah. it appealed to the romantic in me. And uh, yeah, that was us. And then, and then, so he was on that EP. And then and he was touring a lot. I think very shortly after that, he was playing with the Queens. And uh, I went to that. And I went oh, with nice. my friend. Yeah, I went to with that with my friend Bill. And we went and met him. And uh, that was great. And then after that, he was back playing. Uh, I think here comes that weird show was coming out so um yeah so we went to a solo show i think maybe that was just i don't know if bill came but i was i think maybe me on my own i went to that and then afterwards at that show after that show he said you know uh we we should make a record and i oh man like i am you know i was like ecstatic and yeah. i think like because when I, when I would send him the songs he would always say like he felt like a, a little boy like at christmas or he felt like it would be all his birthdays and all his christmases together oh, wow. and that's that that's kind of how i felt as well so oh that is beautiful yeah yes yeah, so it's like yeah like because you know i've been thinking a lot about it since he passed and you know because it's been really hard and sad and everything and it's just but you know that is what how amazing music you know because it connects so many of us it connects us and it's just powerful amazing it really is and one of the other cool guests that i saw on milk white sheets was james eha and you actually wrote the song james for him I didn't even actually realize that until recently that he was on the album. Yeah, he and he um he was on Hawk as well actually because I think he played guitar. Like sometimes I would send him stuff. Yeah, he was a fan of him. He was he liked the Gentle Waves records and he um, makes sense. And he got does it. And, well, and it, yeah, because if if you listen his first uh, his solo album that came out is very very different than any of the, the pumpkin stuff he was on so it's it kind of i can see how he would be a fan of, of of that yeah so he actually um i can't remember i think it was maybe before amarino or whilst i was making amarino anyway he flew to glasgow and we went out for dinner a few times and that was 
yeah, we got on. We we got on great, and um, oh, that's awesome. So I've I'm not in touch with them. Kind of lost touch, but I mean, music is funny that way. You yeah fall in and out with people, but it would be yeah. He would just like those those records, and I, I mean, I think I took him on a night out. I took him to see my friend's band, Starlets. Oh, cool. And um, I think they were I think they were supporting like I don't know if that's the same night. My memories, but like they might have been supporting Yola Tango, and then and then oh, we ended nice. up in in someone's flat like drunk i don't know <laughs> <laughs> on sucky hill street in, yeah. in glasgow so yeah yeah, yeah. so so yeah. what did you do there i just took uh james ehoff from smashing pumpkins to a concert and then we just you know but you know i'm a, I, like i said like i've, I've not seen friday the 13th it is kind of like i live <laughs> under a rock and <laughs> i did not really know the the pumpkins records i still don't wow. really um so all i knew was when i met him i was like i like him he's a nice guy yeah and <laughs> he's amazing at what he does and yeah and because then i think as well he would come he would come to town with perfect circle yes um, that's right. i remember because i remember i had to like phone a hotel once and he like had a fake name <laughs> <laughs> like i think they would all give them give each other like give give fake names oh my gosh uh, i would love so... to know what the, the heck their names were that's that kind of stuff makes me this just makes me laugh with these ridiculous yeah it was it was it was something like it was a funny fake name but i can't remember i can't remember what it was but oh. yeah so you and mark lanigan end up doing that starting actually a, a trio of albums together and yes. Ballad of the broken seas is, is amazing I mean, it starts off with with some beautiful stuff. I mean, uh, Deus EBS. It's just that's a beautiful way to just start a, a series of albums with anybody. voices work against each other you know you've got this sweet soft vocal and he's got this dark smokiness and it's they're just so different but they work so beautifully together yeah yeah it's like a gift really like like two people that should never have met each other yeah (laughs) really like um really grateful for that um yeah like it was on, honestly when I was making that record, like because I'd had that experience with that small label that put out Amarino, I was like, oh, screw all that. I was like, I'm gonna make a record just for myself. Like I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna just not have a label involved, have nobody okay. peeking over my shoulder. So I just like funded it all myself. Wow. And, um, and I, I got I got some money from uh, my friend, like my friend Bill Wells, the composer. Like he helped me with a form, and I got some money from the Scottish Arts, like a small amount of money from the Scottish Arts Council, and that helped me hire the string players and stuff like that. And oh, I just cool. made it like I just it was like a pet project, and I just made it chunk by chunk, you know, like little by little. Okay. And um, it it was uh 
so like just my whole just passion really like just I was yeah it was really wonderful and such a I mean like I've always wanted to write for many different voices so to write for that voice and you know just really just just wonderful wouldn't were the songs and I guess for any of the albums but well, I guess we can start off with Ballad of the Broken Seas were they all written specifically for you and Mark or were any of them older songs that you adapted to uh, include Mark in his unique voice they were all written for him okay. and or us like because like, when so we he was on like why did my head hurt so but like yeah. I sort of realized like I was writing that way anyway because like I'm a really I've always like loved Leonard Cohen as well and things like that so okay. um I was always writing that way but because but I feel like in that kind of voice but I needed to find a voice to translate that and which I found in him right. and it like but 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 so when he was like let's make a record I was like Ooh! and I just like <laughs> went home and I, I just went to town like I just you know just in my flat on my own all night the floodgates opened yeah just go, going for it and and just like thinking oh i hope this works and and also thinking uh you know i can't wait to hear him on this you know yeah well those those three albums and, and so there's battle of the broken seas there's uh sunday at devil dirt and hawk they are so unique i mean i i can't think of anything that has come out around that time or, or since that sounds like that as you know it's part of the the combination of the vocals but even musically it's not you know it's not what you were hearing a lot on the radio, it was a lot of like, you know, your big influence, like sixties music. It was great. Like my two of my favorites are come undone and, and come on over. just awesome tracks and it's, it's it's something that i could put on for my, my dad loves it you know my brother my brother's a kind of a throwback guy he he loves 50s 60s 70s music he loves it so it, it's it's just great stuff that i i could put on for anybody and they, they would fall in love with it yeah like i i am a throwback like uh really as well so i because I, I was like i'd be writing that stuff but i'd be listening to like Nina Simone, James Brown, and it's like that's cool, but like I'm, I'm like a little white girl. From <laughs> I'm like, how am I gonna do this? But it's like it's in me, and like, how can I? It, it like those melodies, like even like um a lot of like 
country music i feel like it's like, it's like that, that deep soul that can be yes. in some of the best soul songs or country songs that is my favorite music in the world so to have like more of a heavier voice like a voice that could carry that kind of stuff like a sort of heavy hitter like him yeah. and i could like tuck myself behind it in, <laughs> in like a little sneaky way <laughs> but like it was like um yeah that's so um i'm still gonna make a soul record though like i had my my like <laughs> and my friend that my friend that abby wrote him um, my friend abby wrote like every time i go and master a record there he's like do your soul record, do your soul record. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I know, I know, I'm going to, I'm going to. And, and like last time I saw him, he was, he was like, go to America, don't go to America, make your record either way. And because <laughs> so like, like, I'm like, because my, my whole, the last two years, it's like, should I stay or should I go? Like, I don't know where to live or, but you know, for the music in America, for me, I would crawl over broken glass for that music. Oh, wow. Like, because it's the best music. It's like the, it's where it all happens. You know, like, think of the um, Beatles listening to, yeah. like, Radio Caroline or whatever. Like, that is the music that, you know, shapes popular music. It's, um, it's so funny because, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are in America who think the opposite. They, they're dying to go to... Great Britain because Led Zeppelin, the Stones, Beatles, you know that. Yeah, because they're, they're like ang- they're like Anglophiles, aren't they? But yeah. but it but it was like a transatlantic um kind of back and forth. Like think of even like yeah. the Beatles with um Brian Wilson. Like you know yeah. he heard Sergeant he heard Sergeant Pepper and he was like oh my god and then he went and made tech sounds like it's always yep. been that way. But yeah, that, that push and pull between the two countries and it's just. And it, you know, there was no internet back then to do it. You had to go find this stuff. You had actually yeah. had yeah. to actually search for this stuff. That yeah. that to me is what's amazing. And and I always feel like we've lost a little bit of of some of the magic of that with the internet, which kind of makes me mm-hmm. sad with some of this stuff. But yeah, it's quite. I mean, that that truly all was magic, and it's like the the cross pollination. But mm-hmm. you know. Music is magic. That's what I've come to. I really think so because it's so powerful. Yes. It connects people. It can do things that, you know, conversations can't. It can move us in ways that words alone can't. I know what you mean. Like, I, I mean, we're living in quite sterile, like, but, you know, but there's, but there's still magic. There, yeah, there is. I think what I miss is I'm grateful for the internet because of of being able to find so much more stuff. You, you know, all I've got to do is type in a, a something on Google, and I, I can find everything I've ever wanted to know about anybody, any band, anything you've like. If I type in Isabel Campbell, I can find out every <laughs> album you've been on, and yeah. that's great. But I'd, I'd miss yes. a little bit of the search, the physical search, like going to a record store and, and looking in, into into the piles of vinyl and CDs and stuff. I, I kind of miss yeah. the availability of that. I mean, even though like even though all the record plants are all backed up at the moment and and vinyl is still happening, but yeah, I miss like I mean, 
Spotify is like so handy and everything, but yeah. but I miss the actual like you hold this record yes. in your hands and and it's it, and it's just the because one day who knows all the digital stuff like if it's all on like iCloud somewhere or wherever it's stored if there's like some kind of malfunction yes like, it's kind of like oh well it, you know it's gone but, and you can't recover it you know I know it's, it's like uh yeah, I'll, I'll tell that's, you, what, that's the way it went, and that, yeah. this is where we're at. And I'll tell you the one thing I I do miss more than any of of that. I think if I have to think about it, I miss radio the way it used to be because back because you we're about the same age. You're a couple years younger than me, so I had a cab driver yesterday try and tell me that I was born in 1969. I was what? like, no, I was like, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was born in 1969. I was like, no way, I wasn't born in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But yeah, so are you? Are you, I'm 46. Are you? I, I in June I'll be 49. Yeah, we're in the same so, bracket, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. You're the same age as my brother. So there's something about 1976 that makes people. I think everybody born that year is a throwback because my brother he doesn't listen to anything outside of the well rarities outside of the 70s he's a 50s 60s yeah. 70s guy so <laughs> my but, my friend um, my friend i was at my friend's house just she got on like magic soul or something and she says her husband doesn't like it because he says they only have like four songs <laughs> and i'm like and i'm like no 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 i'm like put it on like this is my station <laughs> right well that's that's the thing that's kind of what, what i was hoping to, to get across is that, and the radio the way it used to be is like at least over here you could turn on a radio station and you might hear something in the, you know, something in the top 40 and then you hear something, you know, from 20 years beforehand, you know, is there wasn't the, uh, I, I don't know. I think the music is a lot more segregated now with satellite radio. And all, you, you want to hear something, you know, grungy from the nineties. There's a whole station just plays that. And then if you want to hear something different, then you have to go search for it. Whereas, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, you could turn on a radio station and, you know, you, you didn't know what you were going to hear. It, it was just, a, it would just, they would play oldies and new stuff. So I, I kind of missed that. And then like maybe back then, do you think like the radio stations had like more power because they could make or break artists? Oh, absolutely. Think? I think so. And I yeah. think, I, I, I think uh, DJs, specific DJs, even mm -hmm. even to drill it down even more so, you know, certain DJs had a lot of power. If they liked you, they'd stick you in the rotation and then... Yeah, like, I mean, even back, like, in the 80s, like, even, or even, like, John Peel helped a lot of careers or, like, um, but even, uh, I, I think, Kenny Everett, this, like, British comedian, I don't know if you know who he is, but I, I think he broke Queen because I think he oh, wow. broke Queen on his radio station. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and but I think... The Part of the problem is I don't think a whole lot of people listen to actual radio anymore. And so they listen to Spotify playlists and things. So you're not getting, you're getting algorithms making suggestions. You're not getting an actual person promoting anything. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I miss the human aspect of the, the, what the radio used to be instead of yeah i i miss the human aspect of everything yeah. like i i like i always say i was like on whatsapp to a friend or whatever i'm just like good to see a human good to see a human and i'm, I'm like always yeah. trying to um you know i'd always rather like see be with like 
in person with humans well yeah. not all humans but like a lot <laughs> but like you know um uh yeah yeah it's just become very you know i mean the technology is amazing but i think there's a time and a place and i think connect it's good but real human in a room or you know mm-hmm. togetherness like i think we've got to keep that going because yeah. uh, just the whole cyber stuff and like i have some people that like they just text me forever they never want to actually see me and i'm, I'm like mm, time to lose those connections because i need the humans and, and- <laughs> so i guess the music is like and, and read like it's, it's all we have that going on at so many levels at the moment yeah and you know the past two years of everybody having to isolate themselves and i didn't didn't help matters at all. No, no. And and because there is power, you know, power in numbers, power to people power. Yeah. I mean, we've got to hang on to that. Yeah, exactly. You know, no matter what. And there's no, no, no use like being all scared hiding in our houses. It's just, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, no to that. So <laughs> I, and I agree with you a hundred percent. So you, you and Mark did the uh, the Hawk album in 2010, and uh-huh. then there was nothing until 2020. What was going on? What happened? Oh, God. I got <laughs> married. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I, it's like a country western song. But anyway, um, yeah. So what happened? I got fried. I mean, um. Mm. We did the tour, like, yeah, like, we did the tour. I think the last shows we, Mark and I played were in Australia in 2011. Okay. And um, I remember being at the airport in Sydney. We were both on the same flight back to LA, and he was like, he's like, well, it's great knowing you, kid. And I just, uh... Because, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, like, I think we just both, I don't know, um... Because I, I, he was always like, I think with those records, he always said, you know, that he was happy for me to do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes a hand would have been nice, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but like, you know, we've all got to just do, we've all got to be who we are. So, like, I was being me, he was being him. Yeah. It's cool. So, like, we just kind of came to that. And then I just moved to L.A. and I, and I had a manager and it was all a bit. I was super fried and stressed. Like, um, it's probably like that could probably be on my my tombstone. Super, <laughs> super fried and stressed. <laughs> but um, I'd had this manager, and then he didn't care too much for her, and she was always bitching to me about him, and I was in the middle. Like, I remember being on tour, oh, wow. and I remember being on tour, and and there was that kind of bad blood and like sort of bickering. I remember waking up on a tour bus like in Chicago, and that was going on, and just like bursting into tears because it was just like I'm like a I'm a people pleaser you know like and it was yeah me too anyway yeah which is like got to sort that out it's not so good to be like that but anyway um so that was sort of happening I remember we were like in we were in Toronto and and he was like she an alcoholic and I was like I don't know I don't know and he's like well either that or she's gonna play dodgeball with her face and I was like I was like what (laughs) so like he he oh no but he was right you know because there was like he was he was right but I was just trying to navigate 
the music business. So anyway, that all went tits up. And um, I got a bit burned and pride and it really put, really put me off and really scared me off so then I was like living in LA which is like the most showbiz place to live oh, like yeah. what the what the what was the point of that I was like living in LA hiding <laughs> 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 I think I'm, I was like I was come off here enjoying the good weather and hiding would come out every so often, take a meeting, get the fear, and go hide again. Oh wow! <laughs> like I take a, I remember taking a meeting with like I think it was Cat Stevens' manager. Like he produced a oh, Tina wow. Turner movie. Like what's love got to do with it? And he oh. was a really nice man, but he was like, uh, he was like, is your music like Barbra Streisand? And I was like, eh. I'd like. I'd, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, so like it, there was lots of like. I felt like such a square peg and I couldn't really squeeze myself into a round hole. Yeah. And um, so I just, I gave up a bit. I was married, enjoyed, enjoyed, like we got a dog, I enjoyed that. But then all of a sudden, but then I just kind of turned into a, a cleaning lady and a cook, which wasn't so good. So oh, wow. yeah, the career, the career just went down the toilet a bit. So yeah. that, and wow, that was like, that was the day. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly 10 years have gone by. Like, wait. I know. And and you're like, uh, and like, and like in 2010, I'd met with this publishing, the, the pu- publishing lady. And she told me I had four years left in 2010. What? So. Oh my God. <laughs> you get the weirdest meetings. <laughs> yeah like um yeah i'm a mover and a shaker <laughs> so you look like a lesbian your music somebody wants to be barbara yeah. streisand and then you've got four years left and then you're done what's that uh, that song that's entertainment yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty um showbiz pretty brutal yeah. pretty brutal so, so what pulled you out <laughs> a miracle like um so we because also as well like I was trying to so I think I got taken on by a record company in 2014 to make a record okay. but I was kind of like the last three records had been duo stuff and I was like I was like I, d- I didn't really kn- wasn't sure how to navigate just me ah, okay. um and because I remember tweeting something about Bob Dylan like during that time, like, oh, saying, oh, I'm mopping the floor is listening to Bob Dylan. And somebody said, well, Bob Dylan didn't get to write, to create his songs, like, by mopping floors. Oh, <laughs> I remember thinking, that's what I was thinking, yeah, I'm kind of, like, wasting, like, I'm, you know, I was like, yeah. But, um, so what happened was we, my husband at the time, we made the record and it just like we were, it was so DIY like we were doing it all ourselves and okay. it just took a minute and then we made it and I really like it but but then when we finished it the record label had actually folded so and they were kind of annoyed because I'd taken I think like I think sometimes like record labels like people to go in the studio and make a record in like two weeks but like I've always like even the Mark Lanigan records, I would say, because I would, because I self-produce a mm-hmm. lot, because I'm kind of like, well, 
I, I, I have nothing, like, if a amazing producer, I would be like, yes, but a lot of it is, like, they, they're just money guzzlers, and I'm like, I can, yeah. I have create. it's not like I don't have ideas, so I'm like, I would rather just produce myself, but any, uh, I think because I'd taken two years, like, I think they were, they, they were annoyed at me, but I, honestly, I was, I was only, I was, doing my best and and, and I was just kind of like I'm quite a fuss pot so I was like <laughs> it has to be I wanted to make a record that I loved and like that I believed in because otherwise what's the point exactly. so and I think that's worth that's worth the fight right there oh, so yeah. but anyway they, they locked me down and so that happened in like uh sort of October 2016 and they locked me down and I, and I didn't get out of that until and I, cause I remember emailing Mark during that time and I was like oh my god like, I'm locked down like I can't I can't not not the, the pandemic lockdown but I was like I, I, I'm like um, I'm not a free woman like I can't get this legal stuff I can't yeah the, the, this is like completely uh, you know and I can't work because of this legal stuff <sighs> and um, and he was like he was like man he was like I heard of that happening to people like in the eighties, but he's like, I don't know anyone that this is happening. This would happen to now, but then like when lawyers would look at the contract, they'd say, "Oh yeah, it's a really draconian contract wow. and all this." So anyway, I got my freedom in uh, twenty seventeen, like just like just before Christmas Eve. So like oh, the wow. music business is like close, like nobody, everyone is on holiday yeah so i got my i got my like we'd reached an agreement and i was able to shop the like deal with the record but anyway so then i think march um march 2018 an old uh v2 friend um mark bonds like he said oh you should send your record to cooking vinyl so and i did okay and so on, at the last minute, like I ended up like flying to London, met with Rob and everyone at Cooking Vinyl, and that's when they they took on the record that had been constipated forever. Like they <laughs> they, they, um, they like uh, they, great way to they put took, it. They took just like it was just totally snarled up. They took it, and um, and then then that was like then then that came out at the at the start of uh, at the end I think it came out in February 2020 so yeah. then and then that started cooking vinyl and but in the meantime like you know like I sang on Damage and Joy After all the shit that you've been Jesus and Mary Chain album sang yeah, on that yeah. in like 20, 2017 and like and for like somebody like basically like I had no like I had no I was completely locked like snarled up with that legal thing so getting to do things like that was a lifeline for me so I can understand um, that yeah yeah it was very 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 frustrating so like when the pandemic hit and we were all locked down i was like i know this feeling yeah. i'm like oh i know like i'm, I'm practiced at this here so, we are again 
Yeah. Yeah. Treading water. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm looking at the album. Uh, there is no other. And I would not have imagined you picking Running Down a Dream as a Tom Petty <laughs> cover to do. There's a, there's a few others I would have imagined you doing first, but you know, maybe All Right for Now or The Waiting. But Running Down a Dream, that is, I love what you did with it. A very interesting choice. Are you a big Tom Petty fan? Oh, massive! Like you know the the documentary. Like I think yeah. I, I watched. Like I adore him because he's like. And, and but by the way, we recorded that in like we recorded that in like twenty fifteen or something. Oh my like, gosh! So like it was it existed before <laughs> his passing and wow. stuff. And no way I thought he would pass either, like, so, yeah, okay. so soon. But um, I think with the cover songs, because I, I love covers, but um, I don't really choose them. They choose me. Okay. And, like, so, like, so, for example, when Mark and I did, like, Rambling Man, like, probably someone would be like, well, they would, that's probably incongruous as well, like, for yeah. me, for an artist like me to pick that, but like I just was like you know around my house like dusting or whatever, and I was just like shimmying about like <laughs> listening to Hank Williams and him, and I was like oh I could hear him do that, and I and I had my little singy bit, and so I was like got to try that, and so with with running down a dream, it was for me um it spoke to me because of the lyrics because it was kind of describing it, it spoke to me because um was a beautiful day sun beat down had the radio on was right like you know running down dreams that never would come to me uh, <laughs> working on a mystery yeah. working on a mystery that's what following the mystery like going wherever that leads yeah running down a dream for me that's been my life uh, like okay. um just you know, follow like trying to stay in the flow and follow signs, follow the magic, follow yeah. a, a dream, and and like um. So I, I there's no way like a a wee a wee Scottish girl like like sudden <laughs> like living in LA and like you know it it was um that's all been quite dreamlike. So uh. <laughs> Yeah, and also, um, I'd like had, I really like the silver apples, like uh, oscillations and stuff like that, and I was listening to that, and I was like, oh, imagine if I sort of, like, got a kind of synth, put it through, and it, it maybe tried a more, uh, hypnotic, like almost psychedelic approach to that song. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about your covers is that. 
you kind of strip things down to, to its essence and then slightly augment it to, to make it sound like yours. If I, yeah. did, if I had never, well, if I, if I put an original next to a cover of yours, they, most of the time they don't sound anything alike. And I, I, I love that when, when, when an artist will do that with a cover and make it their own. And you did that with, with Run Down a Dream. You did it with something, Never My Love. I mean, awesome, awesome takes on these classic songs. You have to, and I mean, in some ways it's like an abomination because like in some ways it's like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, how, like, how dare you? <laughs> you know, like, I understand but then, that. But, but, but then I just think, well, if you fancy doing something, just do it. Like, I mean, do you really? Yeah, there's all these like judges out there and like critics and like, you know, right. armchair like politicians or like just people just saying, oh, but nah, just like tune out the noise, like tune it out and, and, and do what you feel like. So, but I think with covers, if you don't, you know, if, if you were to follow it, uh, very religiously, then it's karaoke. So what's the point? Exactly. If there's a something, a song you want to try, do it because you're gonna. No matter what, you're gonna. Somebody's gonna be upset at you. But at at the end of your career, are you gonna look back and say, "I tried it," or "Man, I should have tried it"? You got to do what you feel like. You got to do what you fancy, as long as it's not hurting anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, um, <laughs> got to follow uh, like. Like uh, Jim, that used to play guitar with me, like you, you got to follow the muse. Like, and I think if I think if you're an artist, you just do because there's no choice because you just have to. Yeah, I guess the next question I have about the the albums is with the the lockdown and, and quarantines and everything. Were you able to support the albums at all before everything kind of went to hell? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was in, so I managed to squeeze in, uh, a tour, like uh, as my, my friend Mark and the Mary Jane, like he says, Oh, he was like, he always like, yeah, it was good. Um, good. You got the, good. You got a tour in before everything went down the crap. <laughs> like, um, he, um, he, I think he was over in the UK cause I think the Mary Jane had like a Darklands tour. So they he was yes. over with that, but then the tour never happened. But then they actually did it in November. So um I got to sing with them in in a couple of nights oh, for that. Awesome. that. But um yeah, so I got like and I was so nervous because when when I did the tour um at the end of January February twenty twenty before before the pandemic yeah I, I squeezed in like got to play in scotland england and europe a bit oh, okay. and um, and then and it was so it was like oh now i feel like myself again like yeah. i was like oh like this is because i think even mark lanigan like he i think when i was on the mary chain record he emailed me he's like ah oh, so glad to hear you on that and then when oh, the and then when there is no other came out. He's like, and when Ant Life came out, he was like, oh, I love this.
so I was back in the groove and I, and I was really as like how insane not to do that for like yeah. you know nine years that's insane yeah um or like nine or ten years like I was like no wonder I felt so shitty like, I was like yeah. <laughs> you know because I was just like going against myself like really going against myself but and so we were there like oh you want to like there was like some jazz festival in Montenegro and there was all this stuff but then obviously it just like all went away because yeah. of the because of the pandemic so now but now I, I try I the plan is there's so I think I have like five shows on the West Coast in June. So Oh man. Uh, yeah. So you gotta, so, get, you gotta get out to the East Coast. I know. That way I can, I I can hope see a so. show. <laughs> can you? I am um, the agent he's based in this lovely agent and he's based it's space agency and he's like based in LA. So maybe he'll get I think he was just saying do the, like it's, there's a festival in like northern california and he was like um play just this is just a kind of start back and then he said yeah. follow up more in september so. okay you're re-releasing amarino and milk white sheets mm-hmm. and when i threw out that i was going to have you on the podcast the big question that everybody wanted to know was are there going to be any reissues of on vinyl specifically of the uh, albums with Mark Lanigan or maybe an, an album of unreleased uh, material that that uh, yes to all of that yes oh. to all of that like um actually right before the first lockdown in like March 2020 yeah like uh, cooking vinyl want to we're we're sorting all that at the moment and um last year like it, some of it could have been out already but um because of because of my like gypsy ways like I think um they were like can you approve the artwork and I'm like and I and then I forget and then I go to approve it and uh, the link has expired and like that was pretty much like all of last year but um but we're on like I actually met with cooking vinyl like in London a few weeks ago and so no that's where we have um we're planning all of that Oh, yeah, and def- and particularly, I I couldn't I couldn't definitely on vinyl, but um, and they're saying actually I saw text from Stu today. I think he's yep twenty twenty three. He's saying, and I couldn't believe it. They were saying CD as well. I was like, I was like, who oh. buys CD? And they, but apparently, <laughs> I do. do you? Well, the I back half, you do. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so like the back um. Like Jeff and Steve were like, like, oh no 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 no, people still buy CDs, oh. and I'm like, I was like, I was like, what? I live under a rock. Like, I'm like, what? Is, what, what? I was just like, okay, what? If you say so. What <laughs> blows me away is that people are at putting out cassettes again. Yes, there is no other came out on cassette. I really liked it. Wow. It yeah. So, are you writing material for any new projects since you know? There's no other. It was was kind of a an amalgamation of like five, six years worth of work. Are, are you working on something new? Yes, I have. I've, I've started recording, and um, I need to 
after these five shows I need to like hunker down and like finish another record but I'm going out like I think I'm going to Louisiana because my friend sings so so when I do these five shows I'm hoping to play some of the like I'll be playing some of my solo stuff but some of the trilogy stuff as well so so Jay's gonna uh he's gonna help me out and sing some of that so so I'll go to Louisiana in, in like a week or two and rehearse that and then awesome. and then we'll all go to the which I love Louisiana anyway so oh, yeah. but we'll and then we'll head to the west coast that is such good news I know everybody that, that asked me that to a person, everybody, when I said, Hey, let me know if you have any questions for Isabel. It was, are the three albums with Mark coming out on vinyl? Because I can't afford to buy the ones that are out right now. Apparently they're very collectible. Yes. That's what um, the, my, the Andrew, that Andrew Devine, that is, was the art Glasgow school of art D- a DJ, but also, um, he has designed all my artwork. He was he was telling me that he was saying um that they they, they are collectible. So, yeah. but it's because I'm like, basically, I'm unmanageable. Like I was getting, <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I know, I am really, I'm, but I, I am an abomination. But I was getting like, <laughs> but I don't care, fuck it, like. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, life is short. Life yeah, is short. Exactly. Just be, just, 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 you can't not, you can't be anything other. So if I'm an abomination, so what? But, um, <laughs> eh, eh, yeah, so what was it? Yeah, it's just because of, like, no, like, I, I've never really, never had a decent like had a good manager relationship. I've never managed that. And so, so <laughs> things are, so I'm always like, um, I'm always flying by the seat of my pants and kind of uh, disorganized. So it's all just been quite chaotic, but it is, it is <laughs> uh, like cooking vinyl have not lost their patience with me yet. So uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's coming. It's coming. I've been looking at, uh, one of the sites that I use to research and um, the LPs, the cheapest one is uh, Ballad of the Broken Seas is $208 and there's only one for sale. Um, wow. Hawk is 218 and Devil Dirt is 320 or something like that. So you got, That's crazy. You got crazy. quite the collectible albums going there so congratulations. I know I was like I was like I was texting my friends in, in like January or February and I was like I was like, yep, I'm a back catalog gal now. Yeah. Like, just like, <laughs> la- like laughing tears, like emotion, because I was like, oh my, I'm an old, I'm an old git. Uh. <laughs> but, um, but, hey, the, <laughs> well, you just, we just, that's the way it is. But, um, yeah, so no, that's going to happen. And I actually think one of the first things to come out might be the Keep Me in Mind Sweetheart vinyl EP oh. that might come out first of all. Summer was high when you caught mine Though I was pledged to another The feeling was strong when you came along Now Lord only knows how I suffered Oh, if you change your mind, leave that old love behind 
Just keep me in mind, sweetheart. Please keep me in mind, sweetheart. But it's so, but it's, it's tragic for me because, like, when we had, we had, I was like approving the Hawk final artwork, and no way did I think that I thought Mark would still be here. You know, yeah. like, there's not for a minute. So it does feel weird, like, because we were, and like, I remember saying to him during the pandemic, like, well, can we play shows? And he was like, he says, if we're allowed to play shows again, I would love to. But so it's, it's, you know what, better to have had, better to have known him than to never have known him. And yeah. like, I'm just grateful. And, and I feel, I still feel him ever since I feel him with me and uh, you know he's beloved by so many people so it's really it's it for me like because I feel like I, I survived I know it's been so nightmarish for so many people yeah so bad it's just a living nightmare and I feel like the t- two years like I feel like I, I I've been fortunate but for me it was like a low point him passing and it's oh, that's gosh, when yeah. it's got the even though things are getting back a bit more but like for me that was like the hardest uh, that's what I think that's why like when you were I just haven't I've, I've not even really been on emails like that much so I think when I I was like reading out your email like like I was because I've not actually I don't probably go on my emails still at the moment right. because it was just like when it happened everything just kind of came crashing down a bit yeah. so um and well, then and then I got covid and I couldn't oh. go to the, the I got I couldn't go to the memorial oh so, no yeah I was gutted oh I'm so sorry but you can but you know you can always say like I'll be you know he's I think somebody said you know that when you have records with someone or or when you've shared that then you always have that and yeah you know but yeah well everybody that i've had on the podcast that it has been associated with him has they've been some of my favorite podcasts this one that we're doing right now mark him on twice and they're just amazing shows i'm blessed to have known him for the very short amount of time that i did and but through his music, he's introduced me to so many other wonderful people. So I'll always be grateful for that. And and that's the thing that, like, that I keep coming back to because of like I, I'm a thinker and I, like I think too much. Actually, it's not that healthy. Thing, <laughs> but, um, it doesn't always serve me. But you know that I keep coming back to like music is so powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful because it's like so healing it can heal us all so much. Like I know I've not read Mark's book, but I know that, you know, people have told me that he said like music saved his life. I remember when we would like, when we were making ballad, I think he said, and then someone, one of his managers said, Oh, this is keeping him him alive right now. And like, but I, so I, I just keep coming back to like how awesome music is is magical it really is and i know that i've I've kept you for quite a long time where can that's okay i I do appreciate all this this has been so much fun 
where can people follow you on social media to keep track of uh, court dates? <laughs> or how, how uh, yeah, can they yeah. follow you? Yeah, so I'm like, um, <laughs> so I am so, you know, I still have an email account. <laughs> 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 but, uh, like, I'm uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and what's that, Instagram? Yeah, yeah. but I... I'm unmanageable, I'm telling you. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's pop, it's popping on there and um, stuff like that. So, yeah, hopefully, like just you know, by the seat of my pants, by winging a prayer, it will <laughs> come together. It's worked so far. It has. <laughs> and... <laughs> well, I've really had a lot of fun. This has been great. Thank you so oh. much. Thank you. I was a really nice Questions each